DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Rondo Felberg, former BYU athletic director. He joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial properties, water costs, or you can call 877-346-3333. Rondo, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. I'm curious, Rondo, with all the news coming out of BYU and with what they must be paying Kalani and they must be paying all the assistants with the money that they've sunk into facilities and the recruiting budget and analysts and on down the line, if you rolled all those numbers into a ball and then could go into a room and in his old office tell Lavelle Edwards what BYU is spending on football now, what would the reaction be? Oh, they, they wouldn't believe it. I mean, in fact, it would be it would be the kind of thing where they I would lose all my credibility with Lavelle because he just would not believe it. <laughs> um, I mean, when you go back, uh, this is not that long ago for some folks. For the younger folks, yeah, it probably is two generations ago. But um, there used to be a, a rule. I don't know who established the rule that nobody could be paid more than the president of the university. So that first national championship that when Lavelle won it in 1984, Cougar Club got together and gifted him a brand new Cadillac Seville with a big bow on top. (laughs) A week later, poor Lavelle had to give it back because the value of that development, he would be making more than the president of the university. And he had to give it back. That's how things have changed here. I remember when Miami university of Miami came to Lavelle, he gave me a call. I said, yeah, can you come talk for a minute? Wrong. No, uh, sure. So I came up and he said, I need you to look at this. And I look at it, and of course, Miami, this is at a time when, I mean, well-paid coaches are making 150, maybe 200 grand um, in the big programs. That's kind of where it was at the time. Miami is offering Lavelle, University of Miami is offering Lavelle a package north of a million dollars. It's unbelievable. And he said, I said, well, Lavelle, if you're asking me, should you take it? Uh, only you can answer that. It'd break my heart, but quite frankly, you need to think your family. He said, oh, no, Rondo, I'm never going to touch that. I just want you to know, are they stealing this money? Where's this <laughs> money coming from? How are they doing this? <laughs> yeah, times certainly have changed. We recently had uh, the passing of one of the great BYU boosters of all time, beloved Cy Kimball. Cy came to me, and he wasn't the only one, but Cy was one of the more consistent ones and said, Rondo, you do what you have to do, and I just want you to know we'll take care of it. There's not a number that will scare us. You take care of it. And and he was very consistent over the years. BYU has had wonderful, wonderful friends and donors who would be much more generous than they've been allowed to be. Yeah, that's for sure. That's the fact right there, yeah, Then they're allowed to be. I get that all the time, Rondo. Can't this guy, that guy, and we know some of the names, particularly here, what's happened in the last year plus. Oh, yeah. saying, I mean, it's not them. It's people above them. There's, there's, there's just no question. Uh, 
this Big 12 thing is, is going to be a game changer for us because it will change the entire landscape of our giving and of Cougar Club. But I'm, I have no concerns for us at all. What my concerns are is how we'll manage it within the context of the culture that we have around us. Go into a little more depth on that. <laughs> well, um, I, I, I probably would have to have a couple of interviews before I went into too much depth. <laughs> <with> that. <laughs> okay, that's but providing some depth let, right there. Let me, let me just say that we've, we've got lots of young guns on Silicon Slopes who just can't wait <laughs> to show off their moxie. And they would be, um, the, the competition of it would be something they would relish. Mm. Um, that, that is not going to be a problem. And then you've got a number of the, uh, should we say, more seasoned, even gray-haired guns who've been frustrated over the years uh, that they weren't able to do more. Um, and 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 that they felt that there were some limitations. Now, let me just say, BYU and the church will always take their money. That's not a problem. It's just that they want to be able to have some voice in directing where that money goes, and that's where we're very different than most of the other uh, folks around because we have... Um, uh, we have very clear guidelines. Some might call them rules, uh, but I'd, I'd prefer to call them guidelines with respect uh, to giving. And w- your job is to talk it over with your wife, your family, the, the people who matter to you, and then decide what the proper gift is. Make the gift, and that's the last say or influence you have on that money. Um, that's the way it happens here. That's not the way it happens in a lot of places. So what you're saying is you can't designate where the money's going. No. Now, there's, there, there are some notable exceptions. Um, uh, we have um, uh, the Miller family. Built the ballparks. Uh, yeah, and, and that was actually um, Cy Kimball and Larry Miller. And and Cy, this is this is a tribute to to the Kimball family because Cy said that he was more than happy to have the Miller name go on that ballpark uh, rather than his name. But he had already uh, he he'd put seven figures there and just left it um, so that uh, whenever the time came, yeah, um, it would be. Uh, a done deal. And Larry just said, finish it off and just tell me what the number is. Yeah. Larry and Gail were wonderful with that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about the influence of Tom Homo and how much credit or recognition or whatever you want to say he deserves in getting all this stuff done, all the stuff that he's been able to do over the last decade and a half. Oh, it is not possible to overstate what he has done. Um, What you need at BYU 
And what is unique about Tom is you need somebody who doesn't need the spotlight and quite happy not to have the spotlight. That's the perfect personality. That's Tom. But is the sort of the steady hand, the, 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 the sort of guy who's willing to stay in the background and yet has extraordinary relationships connections everywhere both laterally and vertically he has the connections he's so respected by his peers across the nation um everybody likes tom homo it's very very hard to find anybody in sport that you cannot find somebody very quickly who's willing to criticize them or trash them and Tom is one of the very few exceptions. You can't find anybody critical of Tom Homo. In fact, the criticism that gets leveled at Tom is that nobody's that nice. Nobody's that calm. Nobody's that stable. Uh, it's It's got to be a game. It can't be real. That's the criticism. Uh, Tom has been marvelous. You know the, the 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 story of Tom, don't you? Of how he got here? Yeah, because I was going to ask you about that. That you know, a lot of times ads are just old football coaches, the good old boy network. But I believe you had told me years ago that Tom had targeted uh, way back when the desire to oh, be yeah. in an athletic administration. Well, not just athletic administration. Um, I thought I was going to be the AD who was going to ultimately replace Lavelle. And so in usual Rondo fashion, I prepared a, uh, a, a short list. And then I quietly went and visited every single one of those coaches that were on. I whittled it down uh, to about a dozen, and then I narrowed that down to four or five Um and I went and visited every one of them, watched them coaching practices, watched them in games, stayed in their homes, literally stayed in their homes uh, so that I knew what we were going to have or potentially have. And I stayed in Tom and Lori's home. Well, he was at that time the defensive backs coach for the 49ers. And uh, I stayed a weekend with him, uh, watched him in Saturday practice, went to church with him, did the whole deal, and then was on the sidelines with him for their Monday night game. And uh, I was so impressed with with um, both his de- demeanor and his, I mean, he, the guy, the guy looks like he's very calm and like he's almost passive, but oh my goodness, when it comes to football and when it comes to coaching, I mean, he was, intense and focused. I was, I was so surprised and so impressed. So anyway, uh, I, I tell him, okay, Tom, you know, uh, you know, is this something that you're interested in, something you want? And he goes, oh, Rondo. He said, I don't want LaBelle's job. You don't? He said, no. I mean, he was just as deadpan and sober as he, no, I don't want LaBelle's job. Really? No, I want your job. <laughs> what? He says, yeah. He says, that's what I want. I want your job. And so he and I agreed right there that if we hired him to replace Lavelle, I would give him a five-year deal. And at the end of that five years, he had the absolute right at his choice. If he was, if he was our coach for five years, he had the absolute right to come onto my staff 
as senior associate athletic director, the number two guy. Now, that meant I had to have Pete Whitback and Val Hale both agree to that, which they did, um, in order to get Tom. And so that was a done deal. So Tom had already planned, if if we hired him to replace Lavelle, um, uh, to come into administration. So, yeah, he... He's right where he wanted to be. Right. And that's another reason, I think, for his longevity. I mean, he, he's in the job he wanted. He's in, this, this was his ultimate destination. Former BYU Athletic Director Rondo Felberg joined us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. You famously lived in Houston and uh, parked on a bridge somewhere to uh, pick up games on the radio <laughs> pre-internet. <laughs> and so I want to draw on that Texas experience. Because Oklahoma and Texas have been the big dogs and driven the league. You know, lately everybody's been trying to keep up oh, with yeah. Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. Well, Oklahoma's going to the SEC and Lincoln Riley's gone to USC. And Oklahoma and Texas are going to be out. Oklahoma State uh, had a booster, T. Boone Pickens, who underwrote uh, just a trem- I mean, they made tremendous advances on his checkbook at Oklahoma State. The, the stadium's oh, yeah. probably the biggest thing, but it's not the only thing. But he passed away a couple years ago. I expect this league is going to be competitive and driven, but who do you think drives the league? As much as everything's exploded in the last five or ten years, how much does it explode in another five or ten? Because BYU's made big strides here. They had a big press conference to say, hey, we're going to keep up. We're going to be competitive. We're investing across the board. we got our eyes on the prize. And Tom said, if we need to adapt, we'll adapt. Who drives it? How much does this change and accelerate in the five or ten years going forward? Oh, I think the influence of that um, Southwest, that old Southwest Coast Triangle or Southwest Conference Triangle will continue. That's really where it is. So we're talking Texas Tech, and um, uh, I, I think the University of Houston will now Baylor. have a chance for their own renaissance. Baylor, uh, all, all of those schools who have chafed mightily uh, under the huge shadow cast by OU and, and, and Texas. In Texas, that's a really big deal. And, and it's not a bad thing to have them be in, in different conferences. Uh, I, you know, I think, I think people kind of know what the SEC has become. It's sort of morphed into its own pro league. And and I think people, there are some people for whom that is just exactly what they wanted. There are others for whom that's just a little bit offensive. And, and I think that if Houston and Tech and Baylor and Oklahoma State play it right uh, down there, they will earn back some of the fans and some of the loyalty that traditionally had gone to Texas and OU. Um, that's what I'm watching for. Would you say, Rondo, that BYU, not not the athletic department, and maybe not even the administration currently on campus, but those above them had to look at things a little differently to get to this point where BYU can make that unprecedented contract announcement and commitment to the athletic program and the football program in particular? Um. 
Well, we're talking about different measures. Um, BYU had an extraordinary year in 1984. Um, All of your fans and listeners can go take a look at uh, convert baptism statistics in North America in 1985. Uh, We had an extraordinary year in 1996. Um, Go check the convert baptism statistics in 1997. The brethren get it. They understand (laughs) the the more positive visibility that BYU has, the easier it is when missionaries knock on doors for them to be able to go in and be invited in, and then they do their thing. After that, it doesn't matter once they're through the door because they are such extraordinary ambassadors for goodness and for the church. But we have to get through the doors. And the brethren have seen the the numbers, uh, and they know what it takes. How long do you think it'll take to win a uh, Big 12 Conference title? Because you've done it in 11 years, and you know the rivalry and Four all things. Four months. <laughs> See? That would be great. <laughs> Make a big go, splash. PK. Cannonball well, into think... the deep end of the Big 12 pool. I don't think there's any question that we are probably more ready competitively than Utah was when they came into the Pac-12. I mean, I, I was visiting with Kyle the other night. And 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 t- talking about those kinds of things, uh, the the fact is that that uh, it does take time to upgrade your your talent pool, your facilities, your you know your j- just the way you think about yourselves and the way you carry yourself, and therefore able to compete. It does take time, but BYU has managed to go quite a distance in that direction all by itself. So I don't expect it to take as long. How long is it going to take? If Jacob Conover morphs into (laughs) Zach Wilson, like everybody thinks he might, and if the other two guys push him as, as, uh, as, as good as Romney pushed Zach and on and on and Jaron Hall pushed Zach. If, if, if we have that kind of dynamic, um, it'll happen pretty soon. We'll leave it right there, Rondo. We appreciate it. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll all watch this transition. We're looking forward to it. All right, gentlemen. Have a Merry Christmas. You too. Rod, Rondo Felberg, former BYU Athletic Director. Join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show, we will get you up to speed next. Jazz and the Clippers tonight, looking ahead to bowl games. we got the question of the day. We'll get it all for it's you next. It's official. The youths are the 2021 Pac-12 champs and are heading to the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. What better way for the youths to make their inaugural trip to the Rose Bowl than a battle against a Ohio State. Keep it locked on the Zone Sports Network as we get you ready for the Utes' historic trip to Pasadena. Your home for the best coverage of the Utes in the Rose Bowl is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
9 a.m. Slacker Radio Headlines are brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up. They got a special $59 furnace tune-up special, or visit them online at leesheatac.com. And by the way, it was Dustin from Lee's who came out and fixed our furnace in like a minute. A minute. 60 seconds. Done. Came in, cleared one thing. Dust in the wind, then. Yeah, exactly. Dustin made it happen. Shout out to Dustin. All right, DJ and PK. Dustin wants to talk about the Jazz. Whenever Dustin is out, he always wants to talk about the Jazz. So, we got uh, tickets to give away. Yach, you want to do that now? We got a pair of tickets for tonight's game, yep. Jazz and Clippers, 8 p.m. tip-off. It's an hour later than normal because of ESPN. So if you want to go to the game tonight at 8 against the Clippers, be caller 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Jazz and Clippers tonight. Jazz are going for the eighth straight win. Paul George is questionable. Nick Batum is questionable. Batum has an ankle issue. Nicky Batum? Yep. Paul George has an elbow issue. Serge Ibaka is in health and safety protocols. For three years. (laughs) When's the last time he played? Seems like he's always out. The Oklahoma City or Toronto. (laughs) So your goal is to see the Jazz pick up where they left off. Don't lose your mojo just because you didn't play for three days. Going on four now. So that's uh, that's a long break. It's a mini All-Star break. It is, but they've had a couple of them, and they're a veteran team. And so that's only going to benefit those guys. I mean, Mitchell can go all day. He's a young pup. Uh, but you've got uh, a significant part of the rotation over 30. So, uh, yeah, I, I want them to reestablish home court dominance. You know, they've been excellent out on the road. Find a way to teams that you're supposed to beat that are the game is not in question on paper going into the game. Take care of biz. That is the difference right now in the standings. Yeah, The Jazz, the Suns, and the Warriors all have three road losses. But... The Warriors and the Suns have only been beaten twice at home, and the Jazz have dropped four games. And there's the difference, the two games in the loss column right yeah, there. So go ahead and take care of these teams. Do it at a high level, you know? Do it 90%. You're not going to do it all the time. And this is NBA. You could be off in a shot, and somebody can be hot. It happens. Some role player can, you know, will we'll go to our uh, grave with uh, visions of uh, Terrence Mann. And so tip your hat to Terrence Mann because that's the best game he'll ever have. <laughs> and that, that, great. You know, that that can happen. So I don't expect you to win every one. But especially now since you struggled in your last homestand, go ahead and kick some butt now. Keep it going, man. Clippers have won four in a row, and they've won five of the last seven, and the two losses in there are both to the Sacramento Kings. So go figure. You never know. Well, that's the NBA. That's what I'm talking about. And I'm, I'd have to check. Paul George might have been out also. I'd have to check on Clippers that. are looking towards postseason. They're not looking yeah. towards now. They're, they don't have their guns. They don't have all their guys that they need to have, right? So with that in mind, you can especially, see where it's going to take a bit. Yeah, especially Kawhi. And you got what? You got one, two, three, four, five, six home games in a row? Yeah, between now and Christmas, six straight at home. Wow. Yeah. That's but the last time we talked about that, they lost. I know. And the home so stretch before that, they lost. Yeah, it's not like they've had a 6-0 homestand here. No, but let's have one now. That would be good. 
Start, well, of course, that runs it to what thirteen? Yeah. Start playing the odds on that one. The law of numbers starts getting to you <laughs> when you start getting winning streaks in the teens. You know, there's that that doesn't happen very often. And that's why Quinn Snyder doesn't like to talk about this stuff. He just likes to talk about going out tonight, playing the right way, play the way you should, make the reads you have to make, make the adjustments you need to make, play with the energy you need, and then everything else takes care of itself because you're talented, and talent wins in this league most of the time. So It does over the long haul, So just don't come out and, you know, if you come out with your B-minus game, then you open yourself up to getting beat by a lot of teams. But if you don't, if you come out and do what you're supposed to do, play the way you know you can. And keep this going with Cam Rising. <laughs> I gave him a look right now. Drop the jaw. I gave him a look like, please explain. And I will. Before Rudy Gay, after Rudy Gay. 10-2 and two with Rudy Gay. Before Cam Rising, after Cam Rising. 1-2 and two when he didn't start. 9-1 and one when he did. And Rudy's 10-2 and two with that uh, funky loss to the Pelicans. You'd take 10-2 and two most every 12-game stretch, wouldn't you? 10-2 and two from now until the end of the season. Who would sign off on that? Just keep piling up uh, every 12 games, win 10 of them? Yeah. So I, and, I, and I think there's a difference with Gay. I mean, it's not, not to the level of Cam Rising because he's a quarterback. But the point being, and, and knock on wood, they've had great health and great protocol health. If you did that all year, that 10 out of 12, you would be 65-13 and 13 with four games left in the season, and you would be resting everybody for the playoffs because you'd have the one seed locked up. Hmm? Yeah, it's for a pretty sure. good clip. Yeah, did you hear A-Rod on with Scotty and Hans did drop the line Well, they didn't have Cam Rising? Nice. Did you hear him say that? No, I did He not. did. <laughs> <laughs> he can be a little bitter and sarcastic. My kind of guy. <laughs> Did you hear that, y'all? You taught him everything he knows. <laughs> he did drop that. That's an absolute classic. Well, we didn't have, they didn't have uh, Cam Rising, and he literally paused for effect, and it was perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meaning, like, oh, yeah, they would have beat us. Yeah, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> and Kyle, after the game, they won the, they won the line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball, got pushed around, got dominated. So. They did, yeah. I mean, as their, own, their coach's mouth said that, and then who knows if they would have played whenever, but they don't play because you, it's funny. That's the classic BYU thing. Well, if we would have got you then, but it's never, well, if BYU would have got you. It's like they're always battling uphill on that stuff. Nobody ever wants to talk about when, when they get a break. It's always, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. always on our us. So, yeah, well, we didn't have so-and-so there. Yeah. You know. And this year, playing the Pac-12 was just littered with, well... They didn't, oh, they they didn't the, have their quarterback. They, they didn't the, have their all coach. All those bogus targeting calls the uh, Cougars had to deal with at Rice Eccles. Pac-12 refs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, to be fair, there's only about 60 Pac-12 coaches who've said that over the last decade. <laughs> right, but when it goes against you, it's yeah. then you complain. Yeah. If it goes for you, they did a great job. Oklahoma coaches one day up at Oregon, they were pretty happy with the refs. <laughs> this goes on and on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just don't don't say Pac-12 refs in basketball because there's no such thing. They're no, a, those guys cash a Pac-12 paycheck on uh, place, yeah. one night and a Mountain West on another and a whack. It's, where can you get a West game? West Coast Conference, wherever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're somewhat they're they're regional though. The Western Consortium yeah, yeah. of Officials. But at the same time, I I have talked to many, not so much anymore because I don't travel in basketball. But back in the day when I did for almost two decades. Many conversations with refs in hotels and elevators and restaurants. 
because they stay at the same places, mm-hmm. and then they're bouncing around, and then you see them. They're ringing up the Marriott points just like you were. Yeah, I was once at uh, the Arena Auditorium in uh, Laramie, Wyoming, and it was an afternoon game, and I had like an 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock flight at Denver International. I said to Moose Stubing before the game, I said, Moose, I need your help. He said, what? He was the old Angels third base coach who was a famous referee in the, in the WAC. And uh, I said, I, I got a flight, man. I need this to be a quick game because I got to get to Denver in time. He says, what time's your flight? And I told him, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> <laughs> Moose was a legend in Santa Barbara. He was a legend everywhere. He really was. Yeah. He really was. Yeah. <laughs> Gave Larry Johnson his fifth foul, got him out of the game. <laughs> and the Gauchos beat the Rebels. All right, so we talked a little basketball. Uh, Steph Curry set the record for most three-pointers made in an NBA career. Passes Ray Allen, but it feels like a 10- or 15-year-old record, not a 75-year-old record. But nonetheless, they stopped the game. And You know what it feels like? Show. It feels a little Barry Bonds-ish passing Hank Aaron. Not, it's not really what it's cracked up to be. Whereas Hank Aaron passing Babe Ruth felt like, man, that was something. That was something for the ages. And for some reason, I I can see that home run that he hit. But I can't remember the one Bonds hit for the life of me. For the life of me, I cannot. <laughs> and one and is so much more I didn't recent. care, and I knew. It's like, oh, whatever, it's a steroid era, and everybody's hitting a bazillion home runs. Yeah. So what? Whereas Hank Aaron, I felt like I was well, right once, there in the first row. someone tells you, hey, four guys have hit 60 home runs this year. You're yeah. like, okay, what are we doing here? Yeah. And it's not quite because he had to make the buckets. But it's yeah, just, it's a it, new it, record. And so it's just going to be different. And the game's he, changed. Until we get, like, I'd say another 10, 15 years out, it's always going to be, well, if you had shot the three, how much more could you have made? Because, like, Ray Allen, when did he start shooting the three? Mm hmm. I mean, I can level. look it up for you yeah. and see. Cause he, but, you know, when Donovan Mitchell's done, well, he will have shot. The guys coming in now, they're shooting threes all the time. If you ever want to look at the advent of the three, go look at Brooke Lopez's stats. Yeah, <laughs> just for night it's and day. unbelievable. How many did you shoot this year? Zero. No, I mean, yeah. seriously, they'll give me the number. Yeah, yeah. No, the number was zero. Yeah. Zero. Right. And then go look at it. He's injured now, but go look at his most recent full season. It's startling, the number. I, you'll never have a, as much of a variance in a player as Brooke Lopez, who took no threes early on in his uh, NBA career, and now with the Bucks is jacking them up left and right. So Ray Allen actually came in shooting quite a bit of threes, but it still changed. His first year... He took 298, almost 300 three-pointers. Okay, what's that average to a game? Three? Uh, he played 82 games. So, yeah, three and a half. That's still poultry. I agree. I agree. Uh, and then at his peak, in 30 years old, in Seattle, that tells you how old this is. There was a team in Seattle. In 2006, he shot 653 three-pointers. By the end of his career, and of course his minutes per night are dropping, he's back down to shooting 309. And then you look at what Steph Curry has done. This is hilarious. He shot 380 his first year as a rookie in 2010. Mm-hmm. And the first year, the rookie year for, um, 
for Ray Allen had been the 96-97 season. He was a rookie when the Jazz were going to the finals first time. So Steph Curry comes in 13 years later, shoots 380, then 342, then 121. He remember he had ankle issues, he had surgery, he only played like 26 games that year. And then when he comes back, they have fully committed to the three. He takes 600 of them, then 615, 646. Then they double down. He takes 886 three-pointers. I believe it. 886 threes. So even he doesn't get the full benefit. Ray Allen only had two years in his career that he took 886 shots. No, he had three, I think. It's just so rare. So yes, Steph Curry doubling down. 886, well, you're basically taking 10 a game. That 10 a game would be 820. So he's taking 10 and a half three-pointers per night. Doesn't surprise me at all. In fact, when he goes and three of fifteen, that's what surprised right. me. Right, he shot. Four, he took eight hundred eighty-six, but they were quality shots. He made forty-five and a half percent of them. You shoot forty-five and a half percent from three. You have a green light. Yeah, for sure. There's only but five guys per year who it really can is shoot amazing that to see. Yeah, how quickly he can just he could be going left, he can go right, then step back, then move here, and then boom, shoot. back on balance, yeah. perfect it, form, yeah. great balance, and no fatigue. I mean, you look at him in the fourth quarter of a game and other guys are sweating like crazy, and he's not. I read a thing about how he lowers his heart rate during timeouts intentionally. It's crazy. All right, DJ and PK, a lot of basketball today, a little bit of football. Actually, the thing that broke during the uh, show, um, Baker Mayfield, Browns quarterback, uh, positive COVID test safety protocols, but if he tests negative twice, then he can play. So he's a definite maybe for this week's Maybe game. The coach got it too. But Stephans, there are Stephans. there are people saying, yeah. But you brought up the Rams. Well, they had a bunch of false positives. They're missing game, guys. Now they won the game anyway, but they were missing guys, and guys were right back out of practice. And so it's being floated out there this morning that they need to change the rules. If you get vaccinated and get the booster, then you just you shouldn't be tested. At that point, the safety level is so high, your odds of getting it or passing it on are so low, just stop with the test. And that, that would incentivize players to go ahead and get it. And would also eliminate guys missing games with well, false positives. I thought they already had in the high 90s of, of uh, vaccination rate anyway. I don't know what the number is. They said it was 97 last night. Yeah, so that would be high 90s. Alvin Gentry, which yeah. um, came out, Kings interim coach, he is out tonight due to health and safety protocols as well. So it's all over the league. False positive. I've never once been false positive. <laughs> when you when you have positivity, it's real. Yeah, yeah. And you don't the have the rare occasion. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK. When we come back, your feedback. Stay with us. And it's all over, almost here. Don't go nowhere. Well, there's double chocolate, peanut butter brownie, cherry barcia, or salted caramel. Enjoy a Built Bar. 100% real chocolate, 100% real delicious. Order yours today at Built.com and save 10% off your order. Using the promo code ZONE at checkout. That's Built Bar. They actually have two new holiday flavors at Built Bar. Eggnog and gingerbread. Really? Yep, just launched them. Right on. It's time for your feedback. A lot of people weighing in. A lot of people weighing in on would, what would a win in the Independence Bowl mean for BYU? The world. Tricky T says back-to-back 11-win seasons for the first time since 06-07. Finishing in the AP Top 10 for the first time since 1996. Become only the fourth BYU team in history to finish in the Top 10. 
Believe it or not, there's a lot riding on this. I game. think there are. I agree with I agree with what he that guy says. Uh, I didn't know all the stats. It doesn't surprise me, but yeah. Uh, the only one that surprised me there is only four top ten teams. I would have thought with that run Lavelle had, they had more, but he had two, just the '83 team, then the '84 team is number one, and the Cotton Bowl team was top ten, and that's it. Lots of How lots did you of know seasons. That off the top of your head, I didn't. I looked it up. I didn't. Know Why it. did you look it up? Because I thought it was wrong, and I was curious, and I had nothing else to do last night. <laughs> <laughs> you saw it last night? Is that what you said? I saw the, yeah, the tweet came in uh, last night. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so I did, all you did, click, I mean, it was... Hey, don't Google justify search. your behavior. Click. You asked... I don't do it, you do it. You ask don't a question, I give you an answer. everything. And then you go with justifying and defensive. All you do is ask a question, <laughs> and it's just, it's just wash, rinse, repeat. And you always get defensive. You're a nerd. Revel in the nerddom. I am a nerd. This is who I am. That's how he made me. We're playing Granite Hills. Make no apologies. We're playing Granite Hills High School. And uh, we're defending. And we're right in front of their bench. And I go over and and I, I see the pass coming. I almost picked it off, but it goes oh. off my hands out of bounds. I didn't know you played football. I, basketball. Oh. <laughs> And I pull up, I pull up right in front of the bench because the bench was really close to court. It was an old play, and there was very little room. And uh, and somebody on the bench says, "Nice play, Point Dexter." And I turn and look at the bench and go, "Hey, whoever there knows me." Coach bursts out laughing. Never heard a word from them again. That was nice. Thank you. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Comfortable with my lifelong nerddom. There's a drop for you, Yock. Feel free to use that one. Ten and two, number thirteen, beat UAB at how about this jazz says, what's at stake? An eleven win season. You don't throw back eleven win seasons as far as I'm concerned. Nope. It's like eleven or twelve schools sitting on it right now. Join that group. That's an elite club. And pert near half of them against the Pac twelve. And then really actually more than half against Power Five. If you throw in Virginia, that brings it to six. You're doing good math over there. Keep it coming. Did they beat any other power fives? Am I missing any? Because they lost no. to Baylor, right? Lost they to Baylor. Seven. They're six and one. Yeah. Six and one. The most power five wins in program history against the most power five teams they've played in program history. Yeah. In a single season. So they played seven, and that'll change in yes. uh, twenty-three. You're playing at least eight at that point. Yeah. At some point, uh, well, they won seven I know, games. I'm, I'm the just most saying, in school history, and I'm like, you, yeah, it's going to change. They had a different schedule in '84. They had a bunch of NFL guys. They probably would have beaten they, a bunch. Do of they have any uh, Pac-12s next year? They have Stanford Oregon. and Oregon. Okay. Yeah. I'd get them off the schedule. Both of them on the road. <laughs> you would get them off the schedule. Yeah. Finish five and zero. Oh. Don't risk going zero and two. Let's buy them out. You're out. <laughs> and then go into your other schedule in 2023 where you're playing eight or maybe nine conference games. So their Power 5 opponents next year consist of Baylor, Oregon, Notre Dame, Arkansas, and then Stanford. Yeah, that's pretty good. Then they got Boise and Utah State. Boise and Utah State on there, as well as the Liberty Flames and the USF Bulls. Liberty's oh, decent. Wyoming as well. Liberty's 7-5 and five or 8-4? and four. One or the other. Seven and they five. got Brewer. Yeah, they did. They just Charlie, Charlie Brewer Brewer. Just He in. can't escape BYU, apparently. Yeah, and we were talking about that, uh, how I thought Heward would start at Washington, but the Indiana kid is transferring Michael there. Michael yeah. Penix. 
Yeah. Man, this musical chair stuff. <laughs> Can you keep up? <laughs> it reminds me of that. You know, Penix the first is going. Yeah. Ten days of July, and you forget. Yes. And then you, you, it comes at you in a flurry, and then you put basketball aside for a couple of months, and then you come back. Oh yeah, this yeah, guy yeah, they that, signed this. Dude, I do this remember dude. talking about that. Yeah. yeah. So so Penix, Indiana to Washington seems like a weird move until you realize his coach mm-hmm. at Washington was his OC at Indiana. Well, it's the same thing with Rattler. That's yeah. why he goes to South Carolina. Right. There's always a connection. Well, yeah. not always, but a lot of times. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Jake and Ben are on the way right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.